Welcome to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. Today, Minister Robert Castro brings us the message that is entitled, Chemical Imbalance. We hope you enjoy the message, and God bless you. And we also want to see how many brought your Bibles. Amen. If you lift up your Bibles, so the apostles watching from Kansas, so let us see. Amen. Those of you that brought your Bibles. And how many brought your notebooks? Amen. Where are you going to write down what you learned today? Now is the process as saying to the person to your side, you're going well, but you could do it better. How about if you join me in a prayer, my beloved church, and we present, Lord, this time. Lord, we have worshipped you through music, through the songs. Lord, we have worshipped you. Through the offerings and the tithes, my beloved King of glory. And Father, in this moment, we want to hear you speak. We want to hear you speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. And Father, asking that this word will be like that double-edged sword, Lord Jesus, that goes and penetrates to the most profound parts of the hearts, Father. And I ask you, Lord, as prophet Isaiah, that how you did with him, that you, you purify his speaking, Lord. That it be you through my lips, Holy Father. And that this word can fulfill its purpose in which you bring it in this morning, Lord. We are ready to hear you, Lord. And we give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus and the people of God say, Amen and Amen. Amen. And as a way of introduction, I want to speak of a Russian scientist that was trained in what was the study of of chemistry. Known as, as he was Dmitri Madendeliev. He was the scientist that created what many of us in school we studied, what is the periodic table. Perhaps seeing it here on the screen, you could recognize it. And he himself started to organize the elements, the chemical elements, by its atomic mass. And even more, he predicted that there was more elements to discover, and then he started to leave spaces in that periodic table to go placing the elements that were missing. Amen? And one of the things that calls my attention is that when I was a child, I used to like a program that was uh, on Disney Channel and it was called Bill Nye the, the Science Guy. Bill Nye the Science Guy. And in one of his programs, it called to my attention that he spoke of two elements that are here on this periodic table. And he says there are two elements that are very dangerous. And it's the element of uh, chlorine and of sodium. This is a recreation. Why? Because I didn't want to bring the chlorine because the chlorine is it's gases and it's very dangerous if you inhale it even in small concentration in the long run or short term they're very damaging for your health and it's found in the tablet the periodic table like we saw there like the symbol ci and and in such, it's a chemical that it's not metallic, but yes, it forms. It forms something that is acidous, 
and can affect the health of that person that inhales it. But then is the sodium. The metal of sodium is a metal that's an alkaline, that in such it goes together. And yes, you could change, uh, mix it well with what is the chlorine because this is under the category of the halogens. These go well. But one of the things that I was studying is that the sodium has to be maintained inside the petroleum far from water. Why? Because the the particles of the sodium that are mixed with water, it's very dangerous. When they come together, that reaction, that chemical reaction is violent, like we're going to see in this video that they're going to show on the screen behind me. When one just takes a little part of it, of what is the metal of sodium, and you mix it with water, it starts to take a little spark, and it starts to turn. That's why I said, like, for protection, for the carpet of the church and, and of the building, I didn't want to do the experiment here on the altar. But you could see the video, as soon as it starts turning around and turning around, it starts to spark. There's people like to do experiments, and they go to a lake, and they take big metals, and they throw it to the water, and they start to see explosions. But what calls me to the, my attention, what you just saw, is that the two elements in themselves, by themselves, are dangerous. But when you join just a little bit of what is the metal of sodium with the chlorine, that creates a new element known as the sodium chloride, or known as how? Salt, right? Salt as such that we take in our blood, the salt that even we, we find in our tears when we cry, or even in the potato chips that we eat at night, you know, before going to bed. Two elements that are dangerous. But when they come together correctly, they create a substance that is new. Now let us apply this to the daily life, our daily life. If we think about it well, there's elements in our lives that if one is not there, there's an imbalance, a chemical imbalance, which is the message today. A chemical imbalance. How is it possible a person to have the element of faith, but to not have the patience to wait on the time of God. And on Wednesday, we spoke about this on the preaching on Wednesday night, wait on him. And it speaks about a story that I invite you to look for. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 13, where it says that King Saul rushed himself to offer a sacrifice before God while he was supposed to wait for the prophet Samuel to arrive. But that he got hurriedly. Why? Because the Philistines were coming to attack them where he was. And the word of God says that he rushed himself. And then when he gives a sacrifice, it says that Samuel then arrived exactly at the same time. And Samuel says, what have you done? And he says, if you would have waited just a little bit more, according to the commands of the Lord, your kingdom would have been eternal. 
And I said to the church, you know how many kings came after him? After Saul that were not descendants of Saul, 22 kings. And I said to the congregation, how many of us, for not waiting on the time of God, we have gotten ahead and we left everything and we have left everything aside because we could not wait 10 minutes more for God to arrive? How many decisions have we made? I said to the church, Satan is expert in something. If he can't stop me from the front, he comes then from the back and he pushes me so that I get ahead in a rushed faith. If there's not a balance in the elements in our lives, even though we can see the example of the Apostle Paul when he speaks, and we've all seen it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's in verse 2 where he says to the church, to Corinth, and look what he says. He says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but not have love, I am nothing. You could have all these elements, and again, they're elements that are good. But if you don't know how to balance them, and one is missing, it's not going to work. He's saying that you could have faith. That faith that could move mountains. You could say to the mountain, move from here to there, and that mountain will move. He says, you can speak in tongues. It could sound so eloquent. And even more, the Apostle Paul, afterwards in chapter 14, there in 1 Corinthians, he speaks about the, the gift of speaking in tongues. He says, who speaks it is edifying himself. And he then even speaks mysteries through the Spirit. So there's elements that are good. But I believe strongly, church, that we as sons and daughters of God, that we should know how to join, how to mix those elements in our lives. Because if only if I mix a great metal of these in water, it can cause an explosion. We could finish like that image of the preaching that we shown, like a frustrated scientist that the experiment blows up and explodes right there in your face. But we want to go to Scripture now and let us see three elements that were very necessary in the development and the life of Jesus. And it's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, from verse 48 to 52. Once again, that's Luke, chapter 2, verse 48 to 52. In Luke, chapter 2, from verse 48 to 52, perhaps... Many of us have heard this, but today we want to see these three elements. Amen. Verse 48 says, So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement 
which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And let us read verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men. Three elements that were in the life of Jesus Christ. But let us contextualize this story. In this moment, Jesus was 12 years old. That's it, 12 years old. And they were coming down from Jerusalem of, from celebrating Passover. And then they arrive, Joseph and Mary, to Nazareth. And when they look around them, they don't see Jesus. They don't find young Jesus. So they start to ask those that knew, Scripture says, to see if someone had seen young Jesus. And no one had seen him. So they go back to Jerusalem. And they find him teaching in the synagogues. And while he was there, he responds, is that don't you understand that I'm about my father's business? And what the scripture says, that his parents didn't understand. But to me, what calls my attention is what Jesus does. Then Jesus understood the moment that was very special in which he was working in. And even though he recognized that his mother was not able to discern or understand the moment where he was in, Scripture says that he subject himself to his mother and to his father. It doesn't say that he got loud or that he says that you don't understand that I have to stay. Go, you go, you guys go to Nazareth that I'm going to stay here because I'm in my father's business. I understand the moment you don't know. It says that he subject himself. How difficult is that for us to subject ourselves? No. But he, Jesus gives that example, but it says that he returned with his parents. But the three elements that we want to see here in this morning is that it says from 12 years old till he got to the cross, he grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. And let us see here the first point, which is wisdom. The philosopher Leonardo da Vinci once said that wisdom is the daughter of experience. And when I look for the definition of what is wisdom, I found that it is the quality of good judgment that's developed from experience, observation, and reflection. And when I looked in the biblical scriptures, in the word of the Lord, that spoke of wisdom, in Hebrew, the word for wisdom comes from the word chokma, That comes from the verb chokma, which means to be wise or have ability. But let us see in Scripture, in Proverbs, chapter 9 and verse 10, what King Solomon says. And let us read a little bit about him. And it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
normally where there's fear of God, there tends to be obedience. And if we study well scripture, scripture says in the word of God that God prefers obedience, prefers obedience, than sacrifice. Because in obedience, there's blessing. And when one achieves to understand obedience comes before understanding. And while I was developing this message, and I started to remember when I was in high school, there's a topic that it just didn't get into my head, not here, nor here, nor anywhere. It just didn't get in. And it's what was geometry. It just didn't get in my head. And I would sit there and I would be with with the pen or the pencil in my hand and I would be like still. <laughs> and the teacher would look at me and I would look at him. And he would say, but try. And I say, I don't understand. I don't understand anything. I don't get it. And he would say, but try it. You're not even trying. If you at least try what I'm telling you to do, perhaps then I can discover what you're doing wrong. But if I don't obey, if I didn't obey what the teacher was telling me, then I wasn't going to get to understand. Normally, after obedience comes understanding. Oh, I understand now. If I only try. Amen. So then understanding comes when one obeys to one has the certainty to be true. But wisdom begins with the reverence of God or to God and a fear for his word. That's where wisdom starts. What we saw where there's where there's no fear of the Lord. There's no wisdom. No true wisdom. Say to the person to your side, where there's no fear of the Lord, there will never be able to be wisdom, true wisdom. Amen? Let us see what the brother of Jesus, James, in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask who? Let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Jesus showed one of the greatest examples that he, the word says, the word of the Lord says in Philippians that he took the form of a servant and humbled himself unto death and to death of the cross. But I'm not speaking of humbleness that he had to become a servant to die. No, is that he humbled himself to subject himself to God the Father because the word of God says in Luke chapter 6 from verses 12 to 13, it says that, that he went up to the mount and was there the whole night praying to God the Father. And then after consulting with the Father, he comes down from that mountain and he chooses the 12 disciples. And he had that reverence even with God the Father. And in one of the moments that was so difficult in his life, imagine that he has to leave 
a whole throne, he has to come down from the throne of grace to take the form of a servant in this body and to surrender himself. And when the time was coming close, that moment was coming close, in the same book of Luke, in chapter 22, in verse 42, is where Jesus starts to cry out. And with the three that he was with him, and he says, wake up, you can't just pray and watch for not even a moment. And Jesus is anguished. And he was crying. But in that moment of crying out, of moaning, of brokenness, in that moment of crying, he says, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass over me, but that your will be done. Even in his humanity, he had the reverence, he had the respect, and he had the fear towards his father to say, I know I'm here, and I have to fulfill this, and I have to do my part, and I don't want to do it. He says it was so much the anguish that he started to sweat drops of blood. Imagine the anguish that he must have had. But with all of that, in his anguish, he consulted with God the Father. How many of us, in a moment of anguish, before crying out, the first thing we do is to resolve. How do we resolve? Without consulting God. And we do like Saul. Again, we get ahead of ourselves. Because it's in those moments of anguish that the enemy tells you to your ear, hey, you're missing $50 to buy, to pay the electricity. Get another job. And then you get crazy to find a second job. And the enemy, what he knows is that while occupied in what's your business, you get disoccupied of what is the process of God. And many times for not consulting God, we abort the process of God and we come out of the purpose of God because we like to say, no, is that everything happens with a purpose. But yes, but what purpose? The purpose of the enemy or the purpose, your purpose or God's purpose. Amen. Yes, everything happens for a reason. Yes. But in what purpose are we moving in? Are we consulting God the Father? And what fascinates me is thinking in Solomon that wrote that proverb that we just uh, read. In, in chapter 3 of 1 Kings, in verse 9, he speaks to God and he says, Put in me an understanding heart, a wise heart to govern. But what is, what is here in verse 11 to 12 where he says, because you have asked this thing, Solomon, you didn't ask me for you long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies. And God says to him, but have asked for yourself an understanding to discern justice. I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Because he asked for wisdom. And it was so much the wisdom of God that was in the heart of Solomon that scripture says that they came from the ends of the world to come and consult with Solomon. And scripture says that what he did, there was no one like him that had done it and no one else will come like him to do it. But Solomon said, I'm not asking for riches. I'm not asking you for a long life. I know they're going to come. My enemies are going to come. And those people that are going to 
come against my people. But I'm not asking that you surrender them to me. I'm asking for wisdom on how to manage the situation when it comes against me. Amen? Many times we put in our position of the defense before letting that the line of Judah fight for us. Amen? Wisdom in God is the fear to God that leads you to experience the power of God. How many could say amen to that? Let us look at the second point. In stature. In this part, there's not many amens, but it's a part that is very important because the Bible even gets in with my diet. Amen? <laughs> but to advance in our stature is to develop physically. Jesus developed a strong and healthy body. And our bodies must be instruments of our service towards God. Amen? And if we look in Scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And we see there in Romans still, in chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gluttony. <laughs> oh, wow. When I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and what I'm provoked is a hamburger to eat. Oh, wow. When the drive throughs are open till 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Ay, ay, ay. And it says here, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it. And many times when your stomach starts to speak, huh? the first thing that we do is we obey it. And we often forget that caring for our bodies is a way of worshiping and glorifying God. With every selection or choice that you do of what you feed yourself, what you consume, and even the decisions that you make with the exercises that you do and what you don't do, we're affecting this temple which was created in the image of God. Amen? And if the Bible here says in Romans that I have to offer my body as a living sacrifice, then it's to say that I have to give the body, this body, the best to be healthy. Amen? And I want you to think and consider how is the weight and even the diseases that's a product of malnutrition can prevent us from doing a good physical or emotional job because we should give our body the best in the good times and even in the bad times because it's in the bad times when a depression comes in because my wife looked at me bad and she's not speaking to me that I go to the refrigerator and I take that ice cream whatever you want to call it and I eat that whole bowl because I'm in a depression or those that go through a depression and they stop eating. Have you thought about that? 
How many of us for a moment that is difficult, instead of seeking counsel from God or to seek a brother or a sister or a pastor or a leader, we let that the difficult situation to affect this temple and it shouldn't be that way. Today I was speaking with my father and I speak of him because I can't speak of anyone else, but I was speaking with him and we remembered when he went once to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, for the level that you're in, your diabetes is in, you have to do something. Or you start to walk and exercise, or you're going to need insulin. And my father decided to walk. And today, for the glory of the Lord, insulin hasn't been his case. He not He's not in need of insulin. And there where you see him, 80 years of age, that God allows him to be. And I said, Dad, I need you. Even at 29 years, I need you. I need you to continue doing, being a father. I need you to continue being a grandfather of the grandchildren that you have and those that are going to come. But I'm speaking of my sister. <laughs> Take it easy. My wife is still not pregnant. <laughs> but I said that you be healthy so that you can still, in this age, you can still lift him up. And look at look at Pastor Soto. He can still pick up a child that he presents. He can still, why? Because our temple, we have to take care of it. Let us fill our bodies with rich nutrients that truly feed us. Let us look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But how can we walk in these good works where the Lord has called us to if the body is deteriorating and we're not eating what is correct? We're not doing what's correct. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 where the apostle speaks and says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Even eating, I have to glorify God. So that steak that's with onions that are so much I like, I have to take care of the portions. I'm not saying that you have to change the diet. It's to watch what you're consuming. And how it's affecting your body. There's a doctor, a very famous doctor, a Christian doctor, that even, I don't know if he still practices here in Orlando, but it's Dr. Don Colbert. That's a doctor, also a, a nutritionist. Nutritionist. And even, he's the doctor that has attended, that has treated Benny Hinn for many years. And one of the interviews that he did over the phone and one of the books that he wrote, I've had the opportunity to have those books. He took the phrase WWJD, which is what would Jesus do? He changed it to WWJE, what would Jesus eat? <laughs> 
<laughs> and he started to study the diet of Jesus because he knew that Jesus was Hebrew. So he studied the Hebrew culture and what they ate. In one of the interviews over the phone, Don Colbert said the following. He says the Christians today should assume the responsibility of their health. There's many, there's so many people that go to different meetings of healings for their body. And at times it's only is to notice that they suffer from many diseases because of making wrong decisions. Yes, there's sicknesses that are generic, that are hereditary, but there's others, other sicknesses that come just because we're not eating what is correct. We're not eating the correct exercises. We're not taking care of our temple. And then we say, God, heal me. But it's a result of a bad decision on our part. And say to the person on your side, take care of your temple. Take care of your temple. Amen. And let us go to the third point. And I knew that in that second point, not many were going to say amen. I heard Dr. Morales go amen. Thank you, doctor, for saying that. <laughs> but let us go to the third point. That the word says that he, he grew, that Jesus grew with grace of God and amen. And the third point I want to say is that it starts at home. Everything starts at home. And I want to, to read in Leviticus. Now, let us go to the Old Testament. And let us read in Leviticus chapter 24. And let us read verses 5 and 6. And then we jump to verse 9. And this is God giving to order to Moses. And he says, And you shall take fine flour and bake 12 cakes with it, two-tenths of an ephath shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table, before who? Before the Lord. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire, by a perpetual statue. But I want to explain and contextualize this story. In, in Exodus chapter 29, God is speaking to Moses about Aaron, his brother. And he says, you're going to take Aaron and you're going to take his children and you're going to consecrate them to the priesthood. But this ceremony now starts to Leviticus chapter 8, where they take Aaron and his children and they consecrate them to the Lord. But then in chapter 10 of Leviticus is where God speaks to Aaron. And he says, I have to give you some instructions. And he says, when you come into the tabernacle, when you enter before my presence with your children, you will not drink nor wine or, or cider so that you don't die before my presence. And God says, this is a 
perpetual statute it will be for your generations to be able to discern between the holy and the profane and the unclean and the clean. And what he is saying is take care, be careful with that uncleanness, with the worldliness. I'm going to put bread before you, which is known as bread of the proposition. In other translations, it says the bread of presence. And it was 12 breads that represented the 12 tribes of Israel that were placed before the presence of the Lord on a table. And it was always before the presence of the Lord. That bread represented the physical sustenance for the body. Jesus himself, when he was tempted by Satan, he even said it, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That bread represented a sustenance, but what God wanted to teach them was, I'm going to give, present something that is pure, a bread that has no leaven. And in the celebration or in the, in the sabbatical days, the day like Shabbat, the day of rest, you're going to enter and you're going to eat because I need you to understand something. And it's in the way that God wants to teach us in this morning. There's different substances like the world wants to offer us, but there's a sustenance that is pure and it's pleasing. And it is the word of the Lord. That is what God wanted to let them know. Be careful with what you're feeding yourself. I'm going to give you an opportunity to eat. And the word of God says that they would put it. And then afterwards, we go in a different chapter. In First Chronicles, I think, chapter 9, where God gives the order to the Levites. And many times when we speak of the Levites, we think of the ministers of worship. No, he gives orders to the children of Kohath that were the tribe of Levi. And he gives them the order to put the bread on the table, the Levites were the ones that were in charge to minister in the house of Jehovah, in the courts, in the chambers, and in the purification of all sanctified things. More than just playing instruments, more than worshiping, they had other commands that they had to fulfill as Levites. But in this morning, I don't want to focus on what is the rights of a priest. And I don't want to concentrate on what is the rights of the Levites. I want to focus on the bread. Scripture says to me that in the temple where they were presented before the presence, there was a table that was extended. And even when you read the story, God gives specific orders how to, con to construct that table. And they brought the bread. But the word of God doesn't say to me that they baked the bread in the temple. The word of God doesn't tell me that there was an oven in the temple. The bread was brought already prepared, already made. And they brought it before the Lord, the presence of the Lord. So I want to ask a question this morning. Are you using your oven? What does your home smell like? I remember very well coming into a bakery with the apostle in Medellin. May God bless Medellin. And, and with that bread and the buñuelos. Oh, hallelujah. No, no. 
<laughs> that was just too good. And from outside, you would walk by in the street and you'd smell to like fresh baked bread. But also, there's occasions. Well, let me speak of my wife now that I'm here. <laughs> that one time, my wife being at home and I was with the mechanic. My wife calls me and says, and that I burned the, the pot. I said, what? I burnt the, uh, the pot and the house smells burnt. And I go from Haines City, where I was at, to St. Cloud. And when I get home, I saw all that smoke. And since and when I parked, it smelled like something burnt. And I said, oh, my God. And the smoke alarms. Ee, ee, ee. And I said, oh, my God. What an embarrassment in the neighborhood. But the whole house was full of smoke. And it even smelled on the outside of the house. And maybe is it that your house smells like the presence of God, that they could smell it from the outside? Is it that you're using your oven? I don't know how many. Well, I know that, that there's Kua and OUC that are the electrical companies. How is it that they charge me the electricity? There's a meter on the outside of the house that is measuring how much electricity I'm consuming in the house. If the enemy comes and goes by the house, your house, could it be that he in your meter, that you're using your oven? That you're seeking God? That you're seeking the presence of God? Look, he did it with Job. How many know the story of Job? It says that he went before the throne, before the presence of God, and he says, look, that Job is, yes, upright, and he is righteous. But he worships you, he serves you, because of what you have given him. Even Satan himself recognized the works of Job. Can Satan then recognize your works in your home? Are we being intimate with God? Are we seeking God to grow in grace with God? If we recognize that all these biblical texts, we understand that we're called to God. We're called to intimacy with God. We're called to contribute. We're called to a full life in love and devotion to the service of God. We are called to the service of God. Called to work in order to bring glory to God. And I want to finish with this last part of verse 52 in Luke chapter 2 of what we read, where it says that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. But that part we sometimes forget. That part, like we don't underline it in our Bible. Because many times, many other times that we, in our humanity, we focus on our own development or we focus and always the excuses and it's a very valid excuse is that we have to examine our hearts how we're using that excuse is that first my family is first is that is my home is first how much more time are we going to be using that same excuse again yes first it's God then it's me my family my home, my work, and the ministry. 
but there is a chemical imbalance perhaps in the elements in your life? Is there a lack of stewardship with your time? I never forget the times of my pastora majori. She said to me years ago, and she said, son, the ministry should never be a burden. And I always remember those words. The ministry should never be a burden. How are you using your time, my beloved church? Because if we just finished studying, the Levites prepared the bread in their homes to bring it to the temple. Or Many times we come to the temple, we come before the presence of God, we come to the house of God, waiting that God does something. But even the wise kings, when they presented before the child Jesus, they brought frankincense, myrrh, and gold. What do you have to offer to, the God, to God? The pastors, the ministers, the teachers, the teachers of the ministerial school, all prepare and study in their homes to bring a message to edify the lives that are in need, in need of the word of presence. The musicians that I appreciate, the worshipers of music, we have to prepare. Or do you think that it's simply that the gift is within us and we just start to sing? No. We have to study what is tonality, what is maintain the, the tempo or the time in music, but it's tempo. We have to study. What keys to, to play? How is this rhythm going? Each and every one of them has to prepare themselves in their homes to bring something to the temple. What is worth to you to smell like bread or to smell the presence of God, but when you go through the side, welling like bread and who's in need and you have nothing to offer them? Come on, church. What is it good for me, for me to use my oven and the enemy comes before the Lord and says, Robert or Frank, Frank is just, Frank is faithful, Frank does good works, but what good is it of me to smell of that, of that presence, if I'm not connected with the church? If I'm not connecting myself with a ministry, it's that I'm waiting that God speaks to me, my brother and sister. The confirmation is already in the word of God. You don't have to wait. A letter from UPS or FedEx or from the U.S. Postal Service so that God confirms. The Word of God says in the Lord, in Ephesians, it says that He has called us to every good work. The calling is already there. God already made it. Amen? And we are seated in the chairs. We stay seated in these chairs. And we have a imbalance in our life because we're mixing more elements with others and we get frustrated and this week I was speaking with a young person and I said you're frustrated because you took the element of getting ahead of yourself with the element of faith and growing but you've mixed more what is to get ahead of yourself 
that now you're living the consequences of your decisions. And now you moan with inside because first you didn't wait on God. And you said, God never spoke to me. No, it's in silence. It's because he's working. And before he opens his mouth, you acted, you reacted. A chemical imbalance that sometimes it's manifested in our lives. And if we can finish, we can see in the end what scripture says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, and all these things shall be added to you. There are elements that are good. And others that if left alone are a danger. There are elements that combine one more than the other and can cause a chemical imbalance that will eventually produce an explosion. It is of me church, is to seek God and to intimate with Him. To, to fill yourself with the knowledge of God to take care of my temple, which is dwelling of the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, to be able to work in every good work to which He has called me. I have to ask God for wisdom, fear and respect towards Him I have to recognize before God, the one that I serve, look at what God said to Moses. When Moses is before that burning bush, he was amazed because it was on flames, but it wasn't being consumed. And he hears a voice. And that voice, the first thing that it says is take the sandals off your feet because the land you are on is holy. God wasn't instilling in him to be scared. He was putting in him to have fear. To recognize who he was before. And then. It's when he takes off his sandals. He hears the voice of God. He exercises the calling. And it's afterwards where he could experience. The glory of God. Because he. Him, the same one that. Cut off the ear of an Egyptian. Was the same one that at a moment. Where God says to him, look down there, while I'm here, here on the mountain with you, giving you the commandments, there on the bottom, they're worshiping other gods. I'm going to put my hand, God said, over them. And Moses, before experiencing the glory of God, the word of God says that he killed, he didn't cut off the ear, I'm just thinking of another story, but he killed the Egyptians, that Egyptian, and then he hides that body. Before he had the glory of God. But he could have said to God, you know, but they're sinning. Put your hand. But he says to God, hold your hand. And he says, God, hold your hand. And Moses implored to the Lord, hold your hand so that you don't give the reason to the Egyptians that you took them out of Egypt to then kill them in the wilderness. You gave them a promise that you were going to take them to a land that flowed milk and honey. Look what he could experience, the glory of the Lord, that he changed even his way of thinking. But how could we experience the poor power and glory of the Lord 
if we don't use the oven. If we don't have intimacy with the Lord. If I don't ask wisdom from Him. And even in this temple, I'm not taking care of it. Because I'm not eating what is right. And my body is getting wasted. That now at the time when I have to pray, and it's the only time that I have to pray, three words come up and I fall asleep. Because my body is not rightfully fed. Correctly fed. And then we blame Satan. Oh, they're distracting me or he's making me fall asleep. No, perhaps is that you didn't eat well throughout the day. You didn't sleep well. And now in the moments that you have to speak with God, you can't because your body doesn't give you any more energy. What if we stand, church? We always like to make this calling, amen? And I don't know if there's someone here that perhaps has felt in their life an imbalance. Like one day I felt it. When I was walking without God and lost in the world. Taking advantage of everything the world was offering. Drugs, violence. But there was an imbalance in my life. And there was someone missing that could come to my life and put everything in a balance. And his name is Jesus. So I want to make, I'm going to invite you that you all close your eyes. And I want to invite you in this morning. If there's someone here that perhaps is visiting us for the first time, or maybe you're visiting us for a while, or maybe watching us through the internet, and you decide to receive the Lord Jesus as your only and exclusive Savior, so He comes to your life and He aligns everything that is out of order. If there's someone here that has not made that prayer of faith for the first time and you would like to do it, I invite you to lift your hands where you are. Lift your hands where you are, if there's someone. Amen. And there, with your eyes closed, I'm going to ask the man that lifted his hands to please come to the altar. We want to pray with you. If you can, an usher, and bring him in the altar. And here's Pastor John to pray for you. How many can give an applause to the Lord? Amen. For this young man that is passing to the altar to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. The word of God is that for one life that is saved, for one soul, there's a celebration in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And my beloved church, I'm going to invite you to maintain your eyes closed while the ministers here minister to this young man. And you can say to the Lord, Lord, forgive me if I have failed you. Lord, forgive me if there's events in my life, Lord, that are not in balance. Father, I ask you that you align everything that is out of order, everything that is out of place, that we can come and leave this place, Lord, understanding, Lord, that you call us to every good work, to every good work, Lord. 
that you have called us from darkness to your wonderful light and you've given us purpose. You have anointed us and you have qualified us and you have prepared us, Lord Jesus. Father, help us to seek you more. Give us thirst and hunger for righteousness, Lord. And Father, that always in our lives, like David said, and our lips will continually have your praise. And I invite you there that you can lift your hands there and let us sing this song and let us speak to the Lord and give him the glory and honor. And for those of you that are watching, again, for those of you that have never made the prayer of faith, for those of you that recognize that there's a chemical imbalance in your life, for those of you that want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I ask you to repeat with me these words. Jesus Christ, I recognize you as the Son of God. I know that you came to this earth and that you died on the cross and shed your blood for me. That through the shedding of your blood, I ask you to forgive my sins. I offer my life. I surrender my life to you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I accept you as both. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you prayed that prayer, as Brother Robert said, there is celebration going on in heaven for you. I welcome you to the family of God, my brother and sister. And as always, if you like this message, don't keep it for yourself. Please share it. Share it because that's what we're called to do. We're called to do good works, amen? So share it with everyone that you know, like it, and as always, treasure it. And may God bless you this week. And if it is his will that we meet again next Sunday, so be it. May God bless you all. And we'll see you soon. God bless. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in these social networks, such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. And on behalf of our pastors, Walter and Maribel Arias, we hope this message edifies you. Have a wonderful day and God bless.